Hello and welcome to WeChats. First of all, we want to thank everyone for tuning in to our podcast. Our mission is to create a place of reunion and fun for Scottish culture lovers in Mexico and continue the great tradition of this society founded in 1893. We'll have all sorts of different people invited to the show, but all brought together by the same love of Scotland. We hope you have a good time, enjoy it, and maybe even learn a thing or two along the way. Today we'll talk about the Highland Games and their importance for Scottish people around the world. About their main elements. Highland dancing, solo piping, athletics, which i.e. running, long jump, high jump, solo piping, pipe bands. Challenges to keep this tradition alive in the 21st century. The elderly people that are on committees, it's, they find it difficult to, to get young people onto committees. The motivation for its athletes to participate. So I just want to keep um, improving my distances and trying to keep myself in like a sort of good shape. And much more in this episode of WeChats. The Highland Games have been a part of the Scotland culture for hundreds of years and have kept its popularity over time. The Games show and let audiences experience ex elements of Scottish and Celtic heritage, which are then translated into a feeling of, a, of community, celebration and pride, mixed with the sense of accomplishment and success for the athletes. It's believed that their roots go as far back as 11th century, when the Scottish king was hoping to find the fastest runner in the land to become his courier. These events are held all around the world in countries like United States, Canada and New Zealand, mainly as an effort of the Scottish community to maintain links to its roots. For example, the Royal Scottish Highland Games Association gathered 60 events in Scotland alone. Games have flourished in the world as Scots have emigrated to other places and carried their traditions with them. It is recorded that the first games in the USA happened in New York in 1836, although the oldest continuously running games are the ones held in by the Caledonian Club of San Francisco since 1866. The games grew in popularity until the act of proscription after the Jacobite Re rebellion, resulting in the outlawing of Scottish dress, costumes and gatherings for almost 40 years, but after the royal visit of Scotland in 1822 by George IV, the games revived and are held on this, to this day. One of the most historic games is the Bremer Gathering, which was awarded royal patronage by the Queen Victoria and is still attended by members of the royal family. The Highland Games as we know them today regularly draw in crowds of thousands. They not only test strength and stamina, but also other creative and musical skills, with events such as Highland Dancing, which back in the day were used to keep kings, queens and clan chiefs entertained. The founder of the modern Olympics, Baron Pierre de Coubertin, was so impressed with the Highland display at the 1889 Paris exhibition that he included the hammer throw, shot put, and the tug-of-war as competitive sports. The hammer throw and the shot put are still Olympic sports. 
The games are usually one-day events with traditional Highland sports competitions such as the Caber Toss, uh, the Tugo War, and the Hammer Throw. However, these events can also include Highland dancing and pipes competitions with parties or kaolids later on. The main competition events may include running, cycling, heavyweights, such as uh, tossing the caber, hammer throw, shot put, uh, weight for height, tugo war, solo piping, pipe band contest, highland dance, wrestling, light field events, hill race, youth cycling, junior heavyweights, you name it. On the other hand, we can also find the Haggis Hurling competition that began as a joke in the 70s, but is now a popular event at many Highland games. Nowadays, the Kowal gathering is renowned for uh, the quality of its Highland dancing, attracting the best performers from around the globe as they compete in the Scottish and World Championships. Highland dancing at the games was originally an all-male event, and it wasn't until the late uh, 19th century that women started to enter. Today, the games remain a steering celebration of Scottish identity and cultural pride that has stayed alive for centuries. However, as with many other public events, the pandemic has had its negative effect on the organization and, of course, has caused the cancellation of the events after March 2020. But to tell us more about this traditional and representative Scottish celebration, we have a very special guest, actually two special guests. Uh, today uh, we're talking to Charlie Murray, past chairman and director of development and at the Royal Scottish Highland Games Association and Kyle Randalls, current Scottish heavy events champion. Welcome. I'm uh, Charlie Murray, the current vice president of the Scottish Highland Games Association. Uh, all right, well, my name is Kyle Randalls. I'm from sort of the south of Scotland in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. And I've been competing in the Highland Games heavy events, as they call it for 10, 15 years now. So, uh, yeah, I've been just spending my summers traveling the Highlands, seeing people like Charlie every weekend from May to September. And so, uh, Kyle, what can you tell us about the history of the Highland Games? Well, the, the Games we were at Braemar. It was actually Braemar the weekend. They were calling it, I don't know if we're calling it the Grampian, Charlie, or not. But it, was, uh, it was at Braemar. And the caber there is a, a big one. That's been there for... 30, 40 years, and we're still throwing it. Um, but that, that's that's a big wooden, uh, I think it's oak, and it's been filled in with like lead and everything to make it heavier, so it's a, it's a big beauty. So the way it works, if you're a heavy athlete, which is what they call us, because um, most of us are heavy, um, we compete in, eight, normally it's eight throwing events, and you won't get anyone who'll go and just compete in one, or maybe just do two or three, you do all of them. So, for example, you have two putts or stone putts. It could be a stone or a shot putt. There's a 16-pound and 22-pound. Um, so we throw like a 7.26-kilogram a uh, shot putt or a 10-kilogram. So there's two events. We do the same in the hammers with a 7.26 and a 10-kilogram. We then throw a 28-pound weight, which is 12.5 kilograms on a chain. You throw that for distance, almost like the discus. And then you throw the 25-kilo weight like that as well. The same 25 kilo weight you then throw over your head and it's like a high jump. So you have a bar, you have to throw over the bar without knocking the bar off and you get three attempts at each height and it goes higher and higher until there's only one person left. And the last event that most people, you know, normally enjoy is the, the caber. 
So what you might get is people might specialize in one event in the regard that they're good at. So for me, people would probably say my best event is a hammer, but you'll compete in all of them. And at the end of the day, you get an overall champion in all the events. And that is your, your, your champion on the day. Today we are speaking about the heavies. At games, you'll see Highland dancing, solo piping, athletics, which i.e. running, long jump, high jump, solo piping, pipe bands, and also you've got the 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 stalls that sell their their merchandise. It's just like a big gig. I I see it as a carnival. Uh, the first question is about uh, the importance of the Highland Games for Scottish people. What do you think is the importance of the game? Well, I, I think that the importance is to the games is the sharing of our passion to, uh, of the sport. The, the fact that it gets delivered into local communities, which possibly is their annual event, there's some stunning locations in Scotland where these games are held. And people like Kyle, the other athletes, pipe bands, pipers, Highland dancers visit these locations once annually. They meet the, they meet the people there, people that they, they will not see until the following year. And to me, that's what makes the game so special. And for me, the, the games is, you've hit the nail on the head there, it's pretty much a gathering uh, that happens once a year and there's, there's almost a hundred of them in Scotland that still sort of exist. Um, and for me, it's, it's about competing against, uh, you know, your, your compatriots, if you will, the, the, the same people week in, week out. And we're at a point now where there's people coming from Europe, people coming from uh, America, from New Zealand, Australia, they're coming over to compete. And for me, it's about us competing and, and throwing um, the same way they used to hundreds of years ago. And how in some games we quite literally use the same equipment that was used 100, 150 years ago. Uh, so I, I enjoy that aspect of it. And just obviously competing is always great. And uh, and then having a bit of a, a bit of a laugh with the boys. And what about the cultural aspect of, of it? Do you feel like, I don't know, like really connected or that it's like part of your identity as Scots or... Oh, how, how, what do you feel is the relevance of, of the games for your identity? I, I think the, the games, it's the history of the games, it's the identity. There's been changes throughout the years, but the, the passion that people have for, for Scottish culture, I think, would be second to none. And there's evidence of this can be seen by expats that have taken Highland games overseas. America, Canada certain parts of Europe. It's what I mean, the, the passion, uh, it's, it's there and it's shared by everybody, old and young. A lot of people say to me, uh, what do you like the games? And I just like the atmosphere. If some games, the atmosphere is tremendous. Others sometimes lack a wee bit. There's, it, it's no, nothing against it. just the, the the people that are there in attendance. When you get overseas visitors like uh, like at the annual Bramar gathering, you've got something special. Uh, there's everything going on in that arena and the crowd engage with the, the participants. And that's a great uh, 
spectacle on its own. And how how do you um, get the like the is there a point system or how do you get scored like you know, to get the overall champion? So if so you if imagine, imagine each, each event, event, say there's eight of them, if you if win, you an, win event, an event, say you get six, six points. points, if you if come you second, second, you get five points, points. If, if you come, come fourth, fourth, you get four, four points, points. And so, so down, down and then, and then say you finish sixth, you get one point. You do that in each event, add up the score, and at the end of the day you have like someone winning. Or How long have you been participating in the games? As I said in the introduction, I've been competing sort of 10, 15 years. I came from, you know, athletics. I used to compete in the, the wire hammer throw, uh, discus shot putt. So my coach was an ex-Highland Games athlete and he got me into the Highland Games. So I, I found my way through him. And for me, I don't know, I, it's sort of similar to athletics. And they do say that the modern Olympics uh, stems from the, the Highland Games. There was a festival put on in Paris. Um, I, I, I always refer to the heavy events as being a professional hobby, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, like this isn't how I make my living, if you know what I mean. I, ha I have a I have a sort of day job, um, but you know you do make you, you get prize money, but most of it tends to be spent sort of travelling around and basically trying to fuel your body. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess in, in theory, if you look at the definition of athlete, then we are. But I still I still laugh every time someone refers to me as an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what's the main motivation to do the sport that you practice? The sense of community, the pride of winning, just a way to be fit? I would probably, uh, I mean, every every person has different motivations. For me, it's about, you know, trying to win and trying to be the best you on the day. Um, so I, I'm lucky I'm still at a younger age where I can keep improving. So for me, it would be about improving what I've thrown before and just trying to keep the momentum going, if that makes any sense. So I just want to keep um, improving my distances and trying to keep myself in like a sort of good shape. Um, the, the hard thing about the sport that I do is that you're a lot of what you do is self-taught. You have to teach yourself. You have to, you honestly have to put hours and hours in learning all the techniques. Because as I said earlier, we, we've got like eight, eight different events we do, and you, you need to know the technique for all of them. You need to be able to throw all of them. It's uh, it takes a lot of commitment from yourself, not just you know other people are trying to get help. It's uh, it's a, it's a solo sport that you, you do a lot of hours on your own. Now, what I mean, I, I try and sell the, the, the thing that the youngsters, their, their enthusiasm bounces off the people with the knowledge. Now, for the, for the youngsters in this generation that we're, we're in just now, sometimes it's hard to get that through to them. Often, more than often, People are happy to help at the games, help set up, help on the day, taking down the games, storing the stuff away. But we find it difficult to get people to come on to the committees. The average age of a person on a, on a games committee would be possibly 60 plus years. Very, very few people have got people on, under that age. That's that's something that maybe the next generation will address that. Also, with the current pandemic, we, we, we will have a, a lot of work to do. We'll have to engage with, with the heavyweight athletes, the other athletes, to see that the next generation of heavyweights are coming in and in the athletics field that are coming through to support the games going forward. When we come out of the pandemic, 
there will be challenges, which there will be a lot of hard work, uh, which we will engage with people to see if we can uh, work through this together. Because we're one big happy family, the games. There is people, they have diff the differences of opinions, but on the day, we're all, as I say, we'll work out the same handbook. And to detail a bit more about the pandemic, uh, which were the changes that you have to do uh, um, because of this, of COVID-19? Well, the changes were, we, we didn't have to make any changes. The changes were uh, delivered to us by the uh, Scottish government, the, which resulted in almost uh, complete, uh, in 2020, a complete cancellation of all events. The Last year, they did a virtual event at Bramar, which was uh, a few, I think it was six heavyweight athletes competing with no crowd. Uh, and likewise, six light, uh, light athletes doing a bit of running and high jump and long jump, no crowd. 2021, it's brought something near back to normality, but still a bit off. We had uh, uh, a virtual heavyweight event at Cirrus, uh, a virtual heavyweight uh, challenge at uh, Stirling. We had the, the Grampian Gathering uh, last Saturday, which was well attended. The athletes, heavyweight, piping, dancing, and 850 of a crowd which at the time, that's all that was allowed to, to gather, eight, eight, up to a thousand. I don't know, but I do have a, personally have a concern about what might happen in 2022. Hopefully I am wrong, because I would like to see normality. Friday night, shirt out, tie out, kilt out, ready to go on Saturday. Hopefully that will return. Uh, what uh, what challenges did COVID nineteen brought to you as an athlete? Um, as as a, as an athlete, if you if you use uh, that word, um, I, I've got to say just the motivation to actually keep training. If you imagine for eighteen months there was no competitions, and I, like I know Charlie mentioned, we had some virtual events here and there, but you know normally I'd be training five days a week, and the the drive and the the motivation to do that disappeared. Um, so honestly, yeah, the, just keeping the head down and keeping training was difficult. Um, the challenges are, I think, that lie ahead are going to be getting new competitors to come and compete. So getting young, young, uh, I come from the heavy events, so getting young people, you know, sort of 16, 18, 20 into the sport is where I think the, the difficulty sort of lies. And I'm sure it'll be the same for the dancing and the pipe bands and yeah, I think it's just getting the younger generation because I know there's been a massive dropout, just people not being able to meet up and train. And and yeah, I mean, there's a whole social side to it as well, you know, goes without saying that's where the roots lie. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been challenging. Well, and so uh, how did you manage to attract younger generations? A bit about the, how we're going to have to look to identify youngsters. The tradition that's been in the past is it's actually been handed down through families that have had a connection. 
their their fathers or their grandfathers were were throwers or competed in different disciplines. That seems to have been lost. It might if what I mean if the if you go back twenty years, we're now seeing a uh, one of the the sons of a former thrower, a Jamie Gunn from Holkirk, whose whose father was an excellent heavyweight athlete. His son is now competing competing uh, against Kyle uh, on a weekly basis. A really, really good athlete. Whether he has the potential that his dad had, time will tell. But he's a young, young lad. He's got a lot, a lot of time in front of him. But that, that, that's just one example. There used to be whole families. Their sons uh, would, would become become throwers. I think possibly the Aikens from the uh, Lonskirk, Achenblay area in Scotland. There's still a family connection there. The High, Highland dancers, two of the the, the grandsons of the uh, the late well Bob Aiken. Uh, he's uh, in his eighties now. His son holds the, the current world record at the Scotch Hammer, which is I would say Kyle's favourite uh, uh, discipline. Hopefully, one day he will be up there in the hundred and fifties. He's a steady hundred and forty forty feet thrower. He'll give you the quick calculation and the metric. But the potential for Kyle to go up there, uh, I I see it on a, a regular basis. Uh, it's it's achievable. I've seen him when he came in as a youngster. He he's possibly one of the fortunate people that had a good lead into the games through his involvement with a, a former heavyweight and a really really good coach understood the the system and how to better and how you get the best out of the athlete. So th- I think Kyle is in a, a good footing, which he's uh, taken from his uh, coach. And obviously he's changed things to, to suit him. He's, he works with uh, an Eastern European fella uh, who's a great, a great athlete, spent 11 years, 10, 11 years at the Scottish Games. Kyle has co- worked with him in disciplines like the shot putt. I can see Kyle coming on with that. So, in previous years, I have went to primary schools, which is like our, I think he's called elementary schools. So, I've went in there before and sort of had talks and shown them what I do and like showed them the implements we use. Um, and I have, at one point, we actually had a podcast myself and one of the guys we compete with. We put it on during the start of COVID just to try and keep an interest. Um, if I ever have the opportunity to do any sort of press events, even like a, you know, a podcast like like this, I'll, I'll always try and encourage people to try it if they want to. What has been the role of uh, of women in the games? Do you have like more involvement now, uh, like more female athletes competing, or is it like mainly male participants? Well, in the heavyweight uh, disciplines, there has been an inroad uh, with female participants. Mostly in in the central belt, there's there's games there that probably have a, a female category. But in the Scottish Games circuit, we're trying to introduce it. But mostly in the heavyweight events, it's open heavyweight athletes. The games have only got one set of equipment, and they're beyond any female. 
Kaber last Saturday at Bramar certainly wouldn't be any female picking that up, regardless of where she comes from. But we are making inroads into it. But if, over the last mm -hmm. 30 years, Highland dancing, for example, only males danced at Highland Games. There's only about three or four male athletes, male dancers now. It's dominated by women. Mm -hmm. You see solo piping. There's an increase in women competing in that. So in athletics, the running and the high jump and the long jump, there's a lot of females participate in that. But the heavyweights, toss in the caber, that's mm -hmm. where we get the, the press, bad publicity. But sadly, in open heavyweight competition, it is beyond any female to throw that equipment. I'm one of the people that are, that are actually a driving force behind this. And what I say to the member games is, unless you write in your programme that there's a female competition with weights, prize money, etc., you're doing nothing to encourage it. I, uh, I think the female uh, aspect is it's, it's, the, it's 2021. So, you know, kind of need to modernise and come into the modern world. Um, and it is slowly happening. There's more and more Highland Games with women's events, um, and which is great to see. But at the exact same time, there's not been a female athlete that I can think of in my head that has really started training and taking the sport seriously, if that makes sense. The heavy events has always been like a, a sort of side project, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I'll go and I'll take part in this because it's there. It's not something that they're, you know, training, training, training for. Um, so at the same time, you know, a lot of Highland Games have went out in a limb. They've maybe put on women's events, they've offered really good prize money and they've done this and that. And it's literally someone who's just turned up at the Highland Games and entered that wins it. It's not, you know, like, I'm going to use the word again, athlete. Mm -hmm. um, I mean that in the same way I apply to myself. Like, there's no one that's really just sitting and training for the Highland Games who's a female that's sort of, you know, I don't want to say taking it seriously, but you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's a hole that I think needs to be filled. It needs, it needs two or three people doing a bit of training and taking it seriously and Hopefully, you know, they'll take they'll take the sport to the next level. Of course, you need to find the proper motivation to do it. And, and to know that there is a chance of actually, you know, getting more involved. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been hard enough trying to get some some use into the, the sport. And, and now they're, they're trying to get women's events in. And it's one of those things that it's the open. Technically, anyone could enter. So, like, Alba, is it Tanya? Tanya, Alba, Tanya, if you guys turned up in theory, you could compete with us. That it's not against the rules. You'd you'd be welcomed in. Um, how you'd get on, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's no like separate category. So you would have to like train to like compete at the same level as the men. That's the uh, the thing. Yeah. So I mean, some some people tend same to argue. Ways. Oh, yeah. Some people would argue. You know, oh, it's the fairest sport in the world. We're all from the same stuff. You know, it's it's a quality, but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't work that way. That the, there are women's events like my my wife has competed a few times, um, but I I've put a kilt on the car and I've basically gave her the kilt of the games and said you're throwing, and she goes okay, um, but she doesn't train for it. So she's like an example of what I was talking about. Like she she's just competed when the opportunities there. She's not you know training for it or anything. Um, so just it, it needs a few people like a few female athletes to really you know almost take it serious or, or train a bit for it and yeah 
and, 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 and sort of run with the sport. Thank you for your time and willing to participate with, uh, in, in our podcast. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great to learn a bit more about the Highland Games. This was a very exciting episode for us. So if you liked it, please share and leave us a comment on our social media. We are on Facebook as WeChatMX and as st.andrews.mx as well. If you have any questions, suggestions, or want to be a guest in the show, please let us know. Thank you for joining us. We are your hosts, Tania Fuentes and Alba Sasueta. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Okay, that was all for today. I hope you liked this episode as much as we did. Thank you for joining us in this second season of this great project called WeChats. I am your host, Tania Fuentes. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, uh, please feel free to uh, let us know through our social media. Thank you and see you next time. Bye bye.